Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. We're going to focus on verses, just two verses, the end of that, verse 7 and 8. And if you're able physically, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> then the Lord's anger burned against Gaza, and God struck him dead on the spot for his irreverence, and he died there next to the ark of God. David was angry because of the Lord's outburst against Gaza, and he named that place outburst against Gaza as it is to this day. Father, thank you tonight. This privilege we have to be here, Lord, hide me behind the cross, God, so that you may speak to hearts as only you can. God, lead us, guide us, direct us, convict us, encourage us, challenge us to a greater commitment, a greater faithful devotion to the kingdom work, Father, to be obedient till the day that you take us home and go from this process of sanctification to glorification. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe seated. Cover real quickly what we looked at last week, and we looked at verses 1 through 8 again last week, but we did three things, and it's this. First one was our personal beliefs are right only when they line up with God's Word. What I say earlier, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. It matters what God thinks. And if our opinions don't line up with God's Word, it is nothing but an opinion. And all of us can have opinions, and all of us can be Gibeonites because the Gibeonites fell into that deception of tasting the provisions but not seeking the Lord. They did not do what they should have done, which was to get on their faces before God and say, God, we don't know what's going on with these Gibeonites. These people have showed up, and their wineskins look worn. Their shoes are worn out. Their bread is stale. It appears from though they are a long way away, but God, give us the wisdom to determine if what they're telling us is true, it would have stopped exactly the deception that they fell under. But what they did was they walked by sight and not by their faith in seeking God's face. And that's that picture. The personal belief systems, they're only right when they line up with truth. When they line up with what God's desire, His will and purpose is, that's the only time that our belief system is going to be right. All the other times it will be flawed, church, because the enemy will make sure as he masquerades and prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Don't forget about that. All you've got to do is watch one of those um, David Attenborough uh, African safari where they, where they show how the, the lions, how they show the predator, how they hunt. That is what the enemy does. It is a concerted effort. It takes a long time, but they exploit the weaknesses of the prey. Be very, very cognizant of that. And then number two was, if we are doing something we shouldn't be, intentions don't matter. If God has not led us to do something, and we're doing it because we just think it's a great idea, I don't care what our intentions are. You can have the greatest intentions in the world. You know who I believe had good intentions when they started? Probably leave your mouth open. Bernie Madoff. I think Bernie Madoff had good intentions when he started. You know who he is, right? The Ponzi scheme guy who defrauded more than I think anybody ever besides. Did Ponzi get more? Andrew, do you know? Ponzi may have, but they prolific, prolifically 
raided, good hardworking people from, separated them from their cash by deception, as basically pyramid schemes. And I think truly that Bernie Madoff, from the documentaries I've watched on his life, he really started out with the greatest of intentions. He wanted to help people. I've actually experienced this a lot in watching these documentary series on people who ended up doing that kind of thing. They, they most often started with really good intentions, then they got in over their heads. See, if we're doing something we shouldn't be doing, it doesn't matter. They don't have to intend to do something wrong. You can get led into that really easy, what do I call it? Week in and week out, incremental compromise. Start out, long view battles. Well, I said earlier, don't ever forget loving each other. Don't ever forget, don't let those things that you think you heard that you get all offended and all bent out of shape with, the next thing you know, you're all fired up and you become a bitter root that defiles many, as the Bible says. And it says, be careful that a bitter root does not arise. Because what does it do? It defiles many. We got to be careful. Just because we have peace in this body does not mean it will remain that way. We have to be vigilant to leave the main thing the main thing and to focus on loving one another and to never stop going around and hugging each other like we do because what it does, it gets people out of comfort zones and it keeps people from clicking. I can't stand clicks. I was never popular in my early years of life. So what would happen is I was never in those things. I was always the odd man out. It's one of the reasons I hate them so much because they're so anti the right thing to do. But that's why it's important getting out of our seats, going and hugging and seeing everybody because it's not about clicks. And as humans, we're real easy to fall into those kind of clicks. It's so super easy. If you ever do two church services, you know what happens? You ready? Anybody know what it is? Old and young. I've seen it time and time again. You have the old ones in one service and the young ones in the others. So what they do to make that work, we have the traditional service and the contemporary service. In some of those churches, it's the same service. But they just call it that. But that's what happens. We tend to live together with people that we click with. We tend to hang out with people we click with. And if you're not careful, the church ends up being nothing more than a social club of clicking. But see, no matter what the intentions are, we've got to be careful to focus on making sure that God is glorified and it is, He is not glorified. Same way with this, ark, this cart that the ark ended up being on. Doesn't matter what the intention was. They did not have intentions of rebelling against God. It doesn't matter that they didn't. They did. They did what God said never to do. The ark was never to be carried any way but on the shoulders of the Levites and no one else. End of story. I don't care how nice the cart is somebody made. I tell them you can cut that thing up and burn it. We do not want to bring ourselves under God's judgment. But nobody had the backbone to say, wait a second. I think what happened, somebody started making a cart and they're like, I'm not saying nothing. The next thing you know, this man lost his life because of it. Then David gets mad. Like a three-year-old child once again. What are you mad about? Just do what God said and you're not going to have a problem. And the same though applies to us, but who's the one that gets our anger when something doesn't go our way? All of a sudden, it's God's fault. Why did God do this? God had nothing to do with that. God led the way to keep you out of this mess, but you refused to honor him and do what God had commanded you to do. And the consequences of this, now you're complaining about, 
But the same happens with us. We've got to be careful of that. And the third final thing was, God will not nor cannot vary from his unchanging standard of truth. Imagine if God had said, oh, this card is so beautiful, and they've done such a good job to try to honor me. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to give them, I'm just not going to do it because I really think that they had the greatest of intentions, and they didn't set out to do anything bad. Guess what? We don't have a God anymore because he's varied and changed, and he is no longer the same yesterday, day, and forever. He's a God that changes. So then we move into the night, and we look at verse 7 once again. So then the Lord's anger burned against Yuzah. God strikes him dead on the spot for his irreverence, and he dies there next to the ark of God. Stop there a minute. First thing I want to share with you tonight is this. God's holiness demands an accounting for sin. There's no such thing as free sin. Sin is costly. And not only that, uh, I've said this time and time again, sin makes you foolish. I don't like the word, but it actually is one many pastors use, says sin makes you stupid. It does, it makes us very, very dumb. The longer and the more deep we get in that sin, you know what happens? The dumber we become. And the problem is we're the last one invited to that party because we think everybody's fooled. We think nobody knows, and it's not a problem because, you know, Lord, you know my, you know, this. No, no, it's not going to be okay. It's not good, and it's going to be costly. I cannot even tell you the number of times in my lifetime that someone said to me, this is my business, and you have no business in my business. Well, if you're a part of the body of Christ, I hate to break your bubble. It is a part of my business. Because the only way it's not a part of my business is if you can get inside of a swimming pool and you can grab a 240-volt line, not on a breaker, and you can grab that thing in the pool and the only one that dies, and all of us are in the pool, if you're the only one that dies, it's only your business then, isn't it? Does anybody know what would happen if you get into a pool and you have a 240-volt line and there is no breaker on the other end of it? What's going to happen? It'll kill everybody in the pool. The entire pool's dead. So the next time that you think that your desire to remain in unrepentant sin is not my business, then you might need to go somewhere else. And I really mean that. This may not be the church for you. Because if you want to become a goat and want to live as a goat among the sheep, and you want to have us serve you as a pastor friend of mine put on this thing, goat food in a sheep assembly, you at the wrong place. Because I know that God can't bless a mess. And if you want to live in unrepentant, overt, and blatant sin in the body of Christ, again, you are at the wrong place. Now, if you're not a believer, you can come in here and I realize you're going to be a train wreck. Because that's what unbelievers are, aren't we? We're a train wreck when we, we, we don't know Jesus. But once we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we should be conforming into his likeness. So when somebody lovingly comes to you, that let's say you've asked to disciple you. We've had this happen. Discipleship. Yeah, I'd love to. Remember what I say. Discipleship's a two-way street. You can't say, yeah, I want to be in discipleship. And then when somebody, let's say you, you uh, were a person that battled uh, smoking or something, and, and you wanted accountability on this circumstance. It's happened in 15 years ago. And uh, somebody wanted to stop smoking, and they had an accountability partner on it. So one day, I think the accountability partner either asked them or smelled it on them or something and said, hey, uh, are you struggling with that smoke? You ain't my daddy, one of them said to him. 
ain't your daddy. What are you talking about? Your accountability partner. What, what's your problem? Well, somebody has held you accountable with something that you asked to be held accountable with, and then all of a sudden you want to get an attitude with somebody who cares about you? Go pound dirt. We don't have time for playing games, church. Do you want to grow in the nurture and the admonition of the Holy Spirit? If you do, praise God, glory, hallelujah. But if you want to come in here and shame a brother or sister in Christ who does what, does what you agreed for them to do, you might need to do an evaluation of your heart's condition. There'll be times when we get out of sync. You know what that means? There's going to be times when we get really dumb, even as Christians. There's going to be periods that we go through a difficult time. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about believers that want to be in the assembly and live like they want to and then wall themselves off from any accountability. Church, that's not being a part of a vibrant body of Christ, and I don't want anything to do with it. Because what that'll end up doing is bringing judgment on the entire body. I don't want anything to do with that. I want people that love the Lord, desire to conform into his likeness. And you know what? Sometimes you fall seven times in a day, as Proverbs says. But you know what the promise is? What does it say about that? You get up seven times, don't you? That is what forgiveness and redemption. And sometimes you have tough days or you have tough weeks and you have periods. I'll tell you, the last six months have been some of the toughest of my life. What does that mean? Does that give myself an excuse to go out and act and be and know? That gives me an excuse to greater cling to the cross of Christ Jesus and the Spirit of God for my all-sufficiency and to recognize that the enemy wants nothing more than to get me out of here so I have to stand firm and recognize the lies for what they are. Not only does he want to steal health-wise, he wants just like my head right now with my blood pressure, he wants your blood pressure up, he wants you all fired up and wound up, and what does he want? Nothing to do with anything good, righteous, holy, or just. What he wants to do is he wants to live in a bunch of sin. He wants us waiting in a pool of sin and keep everybody away from us that says anything about it so that, what? It's my life, I'll do what I want. You can do that as a lost person. But as a follower of Christ, we are one body. Therefore, we got to hold each other accountable and we have to love on each other. And we got to recognize that sin cannot be embraced and forgiveness, redemption, the work of Jesus Christ in conforming us into his likeness in this process we know as sanctification is a process that ultimately culminates in glorification. That's when we enter his presence. And I hope that today, let's just say in six months, one of us or, or many of us end up in the fate of those two people yesterday, waking up one morning having no idea that that's your last day to live. I want to have finished strong. I want to run that race to completion. I don't want to hear those words if I could hear them of somebody going, you know, he sure ran a long time, but I don't know what happened. You know how many people that's happened to in my lifetime? Anybody else ever heard that? How many people in here have had that? Somebody you really respected, you really loved, that was steadfast in their love for Jesus. I mean, they were a ground pillar in their community, spiritually speaking. I'm going to take one of my blood pressure pills, so just bear with me, church. And after a uh, short time, something happened. You don't know what happened. Sometimes you find out what happened, but other times you don't find out what happened. How many people in here have had friends like that that were solid, pastor friend? And what happened was... They're now spoken of in past tense. Oh, they were so solid in their walk with Christ. I know one right now. 
owned a construction company, broke his radio so the only radio could be playing was Christian music. He'd never even know the same person now. Anybody else? It's very discouraging, isn't it? And it can do great damage to the kingdom and to testimonies. But you've got to remember now as a follower of Christ, why tonight should you not go back when that temptation sometimes is like, you know what, the heck with all of it. I'll tell you why. Not only because Scripture says it's better not to know the way of righteousness than to know the way of righteousness and turn your back on the sacred command that was passed down to you, but church, what do we have to go back to tonight? I know apart from my brothers and sisters in Christ, the friendship structure of the world is not too hot. I'm not even going to lie. When I say the friendship structure of the world is not too hot, the world has no loyalty. I will assure you. They got loyalty to something. I don't have a wallet on me, but the dollar. You can give them something and you can help them. Oh, they love you. Oh, they'll embrace you. Tell you how awesome you are. How great you are. What an amazing person you are. Let somebody not know what you have. Let somebody know that you're broker and don't have two rusty nickels to rub together and you're going to find out something. Or if you're in a position to help people and then all of a sudden you're not, you're going to find out who your friends are. That happened to me when I got saved. You know what happened to me? I found myself very isolated. All of the people that I had known for many years, there was only a very few that I saw quite infrequently. But church... I sat in that house for a long time. God had a purpose and a plan for it. What he was showing me was, your love with the world is nothing. God had to separate. He had to break me. He had to conform me. He had to mold me. He had to prepare me. God knew what needed to happen, but what he also showed me was, and I mean as plain as day, God said, the only one you have is me. And he, he taught me that. It was a good thing to learn, though, because... It helped me realize the temptation if someone ever invites me to a cart building party. Thanks, but no thank you. I don't get involved in cart building because the ramifications of it are too painful and I've had enough pain in my life. Do I want to go to a bar and sing karaoke? Uh, no, I can't do it. Why? Because God delivered me from alcohol and I'm not going to go dance with it. I don't want to. I don't want to be in the presence of people doing that because it is an environment that is not conducive for me as a person that God's delivered me from those environments. Do you think it'd be wise for me to go up at Christmas time? Because, you know, can you believe it? They, a Papa Top puts happy birthday Jesus on the sign. What a great ministry opportunity for me. No, I can't do that. That's foolish of me to go down there at night to a bar and try to think that I should go in there even in a good, right? Because I have good intentions. Do you think that's wise? No, Scripture says be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Let's do avenues that are removed from that thing that God's delivered me from because I don't want to go back and dwell in an arena and tempt. Amen? And believing, take heed when you think you stand. Oh, God delivered me. I don't even like the smell of the stuff. One day I got into somebody's car and I guess they'd spilled it at one point or another. It made me want to vomit. The smell of it. Oh, well, Brother John, hey, I don't have that trouble anymore. That stuff makes, I'm not about to dare go into that arena and believe that the temptation is something that in that kind of environment that I could stand against, it'd be foolishness. See, God's holiness demands an accounting for sin, and therefore I recognize that if I go back, 
There's only a divine, revela- a divine expectation of God's judgment should I turn my back on the Lord, and I don't want anything to do with that. I know how easy it is to go back and fall into those old habits and fall into those mindsets and find myself isolated alone going, how did this happen? It happened because incremental compromise invited you and walked every step of the way back so that you would once again be isolated, alone, and find out that you have nobody as Satan then sits there and laughs and says, look what you've become. You took the blessing of God and allowed it to be exchanged for a lie. The same thing that happened in the Garden of Eden happens to so many Christians because they are not spiritually sound. They are not in God's word. They're not growing. They're not discipling. They're not spending time with one another. They're not doing anything other than living the proclivities of the Christian life on their own strength and merit in church. We cannot do that. Only in the anointing power of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Ghost, walking in obedience to the Lord, will there ever be that fullness of joy, peace, hope, and that purpose that God has for us. And then the second thing tonight I want to share out of verse 8. David was angry because the Lord's outburst against Yuzah. So he named that place outburst against Yuzah as it is to this day. Second thing, anger at God for our, O-U-R, actions and sin is foolishness. Why do we get mad at God for the consequence of our actions? Explain that to me. It astounds me. I don't know why in the world these school shootings keep happening. Just can't understand what things have come on. I don't know. Got a great thing. I sent it to you today, brother. There's not enough SROs on the planet to replace the protection of the God that was kicked out. Don't ask me again why school shootings happen. Don't tell me again why churches are disbanding all over the place. One right down the road from us has just covered their denomination over with tape. They've destroyed themselves because the denomination has decided to take a stance in a direction with attitudes and lifestyles that are completely unbiblical. I don't know how in the world it could happen, but I do know. Incremental compromise and sin. And brothers and sisters, when it goes from the top, it flows all the way down. It corrupts the whole entire thing. Thank God that the backbone of some of these churches have had enough strength and enough godliness and a desire to break from that And I don't know why it didn't happen 15 years ago from these churches when it was happening. And I knew about it all those years ago. But I guess, you know, let's be late to the party. Let's jump off the Titanic when there's two feet of deck left. No, let's get off on the lifeboat when it starts to sink. Amen? Let's let's embrace holiness. And when you see that a denomination has making choices definitively that are completely unbiblical. Church, I've said this before and I'm going to say it again right now. If the Southern Baptist denomination embraces openly or unopenly doctrines that are anti-scriptural, I will bring Longview Baptist Church to a vote to leave the denomination if this happens. And if you decide not to do it, I will not leave here on bad terms. I will leave you immediately. I will not be a part of being a part of a church body that stands in the midst of God's judgment. I'm telling you. We will not call it, we can call it Longview Honestly, we'll call it Longview Community Church if, if the church ever decided we had to do that. 
but I will not be associated with something that God cannot bless. And not only that, falls directly under God's judgment if it ever happens like it's happening in this other denominations. Thankfully, our denomination took a stand on something they had to just, what, a month ago? And it was one of those things that if our church had decided to go that direction, you were going to call, your pastor was getting ready to have to have a serious conversation with our church body about the direction of our convention because I want to be in line with what's blessable. I am not going to be in line ever because it's incrementally happening right now, church. And if you think it's going to stop, I don't know what fairy tale world you're listening, you're living in, but you're not living in the real world. Right now, the enemy is hell-bent on destroying everything that represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and a true, steadfast commitment to godly, biblical truth that is the unchanging test of time rooted in that standard of truth, which is him. And it's happening bad. And I know one thing, the same reason this right here happened is the same reason that you believe, well, you know, God won't mind if we do. No, 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 no. Brothers and sisters, I promise you one thing. There's going to be people start dropping because you cannot be a part of building carts, putting the ark on carts, meaning you cannot put God, his presence or anything on anything other and put it in a place where we think everything's going to be fine and sing Kumbaya around a, a campfire and make s'mores. It's not going to happen. The unrestrained judgment of God is the only thing that can happen when we are in direct contradiction to truth. And that's why I encourage you, remember why you're here. Reiterate that in your heart as your prayer every day. God, keep me desperate for you, Father. God, do not let the enemy, Father, in the name of Jesus, hedge my house, my body, my family, my children with your protective angels. Lord, purge any attitudes, any actions. God, do not let me live as being an offendable person, Lord, where everywhere I go, I'm waiting on somebody to say something that hurts my feelings so I can get a good justification for what? Abandoning the bride of Christ. I'll go to another church. You go right ahead. You can take your toxic somewhere else. It is not something that's going to be blessable. And if you leave somewhere, to keep this in mind, church, well, I don't like what Brother Jonathan said. Well, you just point out my error scripturally, and I'll repent in front of the whole church. But I'll tell you one thing, I will not repent for truth. And I don't care what it sounds like, and I know this sounds harsh, but it's truth, church. It's what we need to hear. It's the same thing that John the Baptist said when he said, repent or you likewise will perish. Do you think that sounded good? No, that sounded mean. It sounded judgmental. If John the Baptist said on a, on a conservative news broadcast what he said, can you imagine the Christians that would get on there and denounce him? That's just not the heart of Jesus. Don't know why he's not being loving. The most loving thing you can say to someone is, repent or you will go to hell. That's what he said. Well, Perishing doesn't sound that bad. Are you joking? What do you think you're going to do? Turn into dust? And just, you know, well, the lights are out. And there's no, no. John the Baptist said, repent or you'll go to hell. Because the only way not to go and to dwell in the presence of the Lord is in repentance. Repentance is turning from the direction we're going to Jesus, the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ the eternal high priest who restores fellowship with broken man to the God that they defied in the Garden of Eden. There is no hope for anyone here apart from that. It has nothing to do with, well, I don't like you, so I'm going to speak this. No, the greatest 
demonstration of love you can ever extend to someone is to tell them, God loves you. Mankind broke his law. Mankind was separated from God. And right now, if you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, if you died right this moment, the only thing you could do is be separated from him in a place we know is hell absent from every good and perfect gift. And I love you so much that I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ desires to save you and cleanse you. And Jesus Christ desires right this moment to walk with you the rest of your life and walk and be the intercessor who takes your prayers through him to the Father. Is there, is there any judgment in that? Is there any anger in that, hatred? No, there's love in that. The greatest, extent, the greatest demonstration of judgmental hatred would be to say nothing. Ah, they're going to hell anyways. It doesn't matter. Just let them go to hell. That's where they're going to go. Let them go. That is judgmental hatred. You are judging them and saying they're not, they don't need it. They wouldn't want it anyways. How much could you hate somebody as Gillette Penn I've shared with you over and over again. So again, anger at God for our actions and sin is foolishness. Every man beyond a shadow of a doubt. Hey, you ready? What about that person that's never heard the gospel? They've never had anybody come tell them, but how in the world could they stand before God? Oh, brothers and sisters, we got a verse for that. What's the verse? The heavens declare the glory, the earth the work of his hands. I shared with you that Indian, the unreached people group, what, three about a month and a half ago, about those two European uh, filmmakers, documentary makers who went and were able through another tribe. It took them about a year and a half, I remember, two years. They finally got through this other tribe to make contact with them. They lived with them for 18 months, I believe it was, learned the language, and then that, that tribe shared with them. These were uncrit. They didn't know anything about Christianity. They were saying, these people say they worship Rafafu and they live in the perfect garden. Now you want to tell me that the heavens don't declare the glory and the earth, the work of God's hands? That is the very picture of people recognizing a creator and they've been placed in the perfect garden. What a picture. You think God is not ever present in revealing himself to mankind if they don't have the opportunity to hear the, the, the verbal gospel to someone? Yes, our desire and our call and mandate, commandment, is to go and share the gospel with them. But what about those that don't have that opportunity? God is bigger than that. Amen? All right, last thing. We can be a victor, or sorry, a victim, or in obedience, a victim, or victor. We can be a victim, or in obedience, a victor. You know what I'm talking about? We can walk around all the time. Well, everybody's just mean to me. It's always me. I always, everybody's always after me. Everybody's always unkind. Everybody always makes me the butt of their jokes. Nobody ever likes my food when I bring it to the to fellowship supper. You know, oh, they, they, they were, they, they, you know, you just keep on and on and on. You can do that, but you're going to live in that victimhood by yourself. I'm just going to tell you. Or you can be a victor. Jesus Christ died for you and you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Nobody does. You know what that is? That's a victor. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I'm going to live as a victor, not a victim. Satan loves victimhood. You know why? You never, ever, ever take personal responsibility. Because remember, it's everybody else's fault. If 
They ha- oh, if they hadn't turned, if they hadn't done it, it uh, <laughs> it's everybody else's fault. You know what the problem is now? I'm seeing it in the workplace. Those children had parents that taught them never to take responsibility for anything. And if, oh, you don't like the workload? Oh, just walk out in the middle of a shift. It's no problem because it's not fair. I raised my kids with a really good, firm philosophy. There'd be times when we were going to do something, you just couldn't do it. You know what I'd tell them? Life's not fair. Oh, well, such and such in the house got this and they got that. Sorry, life's not fair. You know what that teaches them? To be adults and to realize there's nothing about life that's fair. Amen? Everybody in this room doesn't pay the same taxes. Some of you in this room don't pay any. Others of us that have to pay self-employment tax through being a preacher, you pay a lot more. It's just part of it, isn't it? We can sit around here and whine and complain and moan and tell everybody how unfair it is. Or we can realize that, you know what? God picked Abraham. What, should I sit around here and pout because God chose Abraham? Should I pout because God chose Moses? Should I pout because God, right? Hey, even before they were born, what does the scripture say about Jacob and Esau? Before they were born, before they ever did anything, what does the scripture say? Anybody? Well, that's not fair. You hear what I say? Esau had every right in the world, didn't he? God, that's not fair. What would that do? Nothing. So we can sit around and make excuses for what we should do. Coulda, woulda, but it, but didn't. Or we can say, God, you saved me, and I know I don't deserve salvation. And I just want to proclaim the goodness of you and your unchanging, steadfast love for me. Your scripture says your desires that none should perish. And Lord, I, uh, Lorna Harris, uh, I glory in the cross. Ooh, good song. I will glory in the cross of Christ. His suffering would all be in vain. I will uh, weep no more for the cross that he bore. Listen to it if you get a chance on YouTube. Lorna Harris, uh, I'll glory in the cross. Good song. That's what I want to do, the church. I want to glory in the cross of Christ Jesus. I want to glory in the fact that I don't deserve salvation tonight, and I'm not hinging my eternity on a Southern Baptist. I'm not hinging my eternity on anything. I'm hinging it on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ alone as the all-sufficiency for salvation. And I hope tonight that that's what you're doing. I hope tonight that you're not sitting at home building a cart so excited about how God is going to be so thankful that you did this glorious undertaking and in the midst, squandering time you can't get back for something that has zero eternal value. Tonight, do you know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior? Dead up serious beyond a shadow of a doubt, or you found yourself being a person that goes from one offense to another to another, and right now you've, you've woken up to the reality, whether you're watching online or in this building, that your whole entire life is built on you and the selfish desire that you've had to go and justify your actions. God is un, un, unfurled, unexposed tonight. If that's the case, you know what the beauty is? Through restoration, repentance, forgiveness, and salvation, you can go from being an object of God's wrath tonight to an object of his mercy through Jesus. Maybe you're a Christian tonight who's found yourself one of those people wearing your shoulder, your feelings on your shoulder. God is not godly, it's not biblical, it's ungodly, it's wicked, it's demonic. Maybe tonight you need to repent of that and say, God, I want to be a vibrant part of the body of Christ that doesn't go around causing discord. I want to be a vibrant jewel of a trophy of your grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight, Lord, for your word.
Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life, first, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you wanna live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.